0: And welcome in. It's Stack Hunters Wednesday. I'm your host, Bradley Stalder, and with me tonight, you know him from Wake and Take. You see him almost every morning. Jason Alwine joins me to talk some Stack Hunters. It's not Wake and Take. It's Late and Take. It's 9 yeah. p.m. Eastern. Jason, welcome to Stack Hunters.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll be live in about 13 more hours. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's great. It's great. Uh, Cross-pollination here at Player Profiler. And Stack Hunters, for those who are not familiar, it's a best ball podcast um, hosted by me, and I bring on some guests, and we talk strategy, we talk players, we talk uh, values, best ball value rating. We're going to get into that. And, of course, we're going to be stack hunting and doing a little reflection. This is uh, one of many reflection uh, podcast that I'll be doing, but actually next week is not going to be a reflection podcast. James Bremacomb is going to come on next week as well. Um, he's going to talk with me about his best ball playoff strategy. So if you're into that type of thing with our friends at underdog fantasy, uh, you should definitely check out next week's as well. So we're now into off season. That means stack hunters is more in swing and more from Jason and myself after this. All right, Jason, it's over. Like, the season is done. Like, we spend the entire off season debating stacks, debating ADPs. Who's going to be better? Who is the value? Who are we yep. going to select at the turn? We've invested time and energy, in, and <clears throat> now it's all over. And, it's like, wild. there's part of me. Th- this is a week where week 17 is done there's a longing in my heart to join more dynasty startups or even like do more where are the 2024 way too early best ball drafts like give me those things i want to be you know cranking out come on ffpc come on underdog like i need i was even looking last year i was drafting a too early 2023 team back on december 27th like that's how much of a degenerate i am uh, but, you know, how are you feeling now that we're removed just a couple days from week 17?
1: I'm honestly still don't believe it, to be completely honest with you. I believe this season has flown by at a remarkable rate. And I can't believe we're looking at week 18 now. Uh, and I'm building just DFS lineups to feel a little bit of of hope and and the and, uh, fun uh, this ne- this next week. And actually, I'm not going to lie. I do like playoff DFS. I will have some mm-hmm. fun there. Probably build a playoff lineup here next week after I know for sure everyone that's in it. Uh, and yeah, but no, I, I mean, empty a little bit, but also looking forward to this offseason. It, it is a fun process we go through in fantasy football.
0: It is a fun process. And you mentioned that there's some week 18 DFS. There's also our friends at battle. Have a great little contest that we yeah. put out every week. Make sure you guys are joining into that group. Uh, the link is at my uh, at my profile. You can also go to Player Profiler and find it there as well. Um, and just it's five bucks, and you just enter. In the top three finishers get paid out, so that's pretty fun. Uh, mm-hmm. You just use your uh, any league. I think it's Sleeper, NFFC, Yahoo leagues, and many others that can import from your favorite teams. Um, you can definitely join there if you want a little bit of Week 18 action and you want to compete against me or, or other player profiler analysts. Uh, before we get into our reflection pieces, Harry Snowman has jumped in the chat. Harry's one of my favorites. Uh, Harry... Hoped that I moved Jerome Ford up. So uh, one story, Jason. So last week I was debating this whether guy or not- is
1: Jerome Ford. He loves himself some Jerome Ford. He
0: loves himself. It's remarkable. Ford. It's fantastic. And you know, I had originally had Jerome Ford at running back 32 or so for the week in my rankings. And in talking with oh, who was it? Was it Tuma last week? Um Oh no, it was, um, it was Jack. Jack Cavanaugh was my week 17 guest for Thursday night football. And I talked with him even afterwards. And I, I listened to Harry's arguments and I said, you know what? We're going to move Jerome Ford up. So I did, I moved him up to running back 21, which is about 10 spots ahead of a, uh, expert consensus. Uh, because I said, you know what? Let's just take a shot. There's nothing to lose here. And uh, and Harry and Jack led me down the right path. And Jerome Ford had a massive game against the Jets in week 17. So we're pretty happy about that.
1: No, I mean, that's a great call. Jerome Ford, a great athlete, stepped up in a big way this season. Probably one of the most valuable players to own in fantasy football, really all year, whether you drafted him or were able to scoop him up. Uh, What a guy.
0: Yeah, Jerome Ford in the best ball value rating was running back 25, um, which is fine. Back end running back two, he had, um, you know, some spike weeks, obviously a 3% rate of being a running back one, a 9% rate of being a running back two, but he was a high flex floor play on about 30% of the time was being at least a flex. And so we saw one of the spike weeks there, uh, a nice floor volume, running back wasn't going yep. to give you the Nick Chubb spike weeks that we had seen previously. Cause he's not Nick Chubb for he's a reason, Nick but uh, Jerome Ford gave you a nice floor this, uh, this year and uh, delivered running back to value for us. So yeah. yeah, we're here for Jerome Ford.
1: Yeah, definitely here for Jerome Ford. Anyone that you got for that cheap and performed in your starting lineup every single week, no complaints here.
0: And he was a player that Billy and I were drafting a lot of this summer because when we went to the fantasy sports and gaming association conference in May, that was in Cleveland. And so we got to meet some Cleveland people and at this conference. And one guy pulled me and Billy aside um, and said, Hey, I just want to let you know the people here in Cleveland, they love Jerome Ford. They think that he is the clear number two guy. And at that time, Kareem hunt had not resigned. Remember? so. That's what, you know, I was drafting a lot more of him from May onward because I had some inside scoops on Jerome yeah. Ford, but we're, uh, we're excited to continue into this offseason because there's going to be a lot of reflection this year on what led to these players delivering in the spots they did, like the Kyron Williams of the world. Is that believable? Is it not? I'm of mm-hmm. the camp that it is believable, but uh, you know, there are still the haters out there. I saw some tweets today, like guys gotta sell now on Kyron Williams. I don't I don't think so, Jason. Uh before we get into that, what is your take on Kyron Williams?
1: Uh I just wish I wasn't such a Cam Akers and, and still limb, a Cam Akers stan. I love the guy, can't get off of him. Still still have the rose tinted glasses when I look at Cam Akers. Uh and that was a problem because I was very high on the Rams offense. And this is, I guess, a topic kind of leading into what we're going to talk about later. I feel like the Rams offense was very interesting because the market agreed that Cooper Cup was going to rebound in a big way, lots of times drafted in the first round, sometimes early second. And yet no one else on the Rams had expensive ADP. And I feel like when you ask yourself and believe that Cooper Cup's going to bounce back, you've got to keep drawing that line. You've got to say, OK, well, if Cooper Cup's going to have a good season again. The Matthew Stafford's going to have a good season again. If Matthew Stafford has a really good season again, then there's probably another wide receiver that's going to give us some value here. Ended up being Pukunakua. Who would have known who, we, who that, really? Not many people predicted that. But then and when you're talking about the passing game working at a high level all across the board, then the running game also has to be working. And that happens on the Rams offense. Sean McVay is no slouch. He runs a great offense down to Los Angeles. And so getting every single piece of that puzzle flowing this year... it it paid dividends and it wasn't my guy, Cam Akers, but it sure was Kyron Williams. And I will definitely be believing in him in 2024
0: too. All right. Well, we'll shift gears here. I'm glad to hear that Kyron Williams is also a buy for you and a a player that we'll be targeting yet again. I mean, he absolutely crushed three touchdowns in week 17. Like this is, this is the pathway to fantasy goodness. Um, I don't think there was a more valuable player that was drafted then Kyron Williams ask how ask now ask Kyron Williams. (laughs) I can't believe I just did that. Fine. Whatever. All right. We'll begin with the first wide receiver consensus wise drafted. He was stacked. This is Justin Jefferson, of course stacked with Kirk cousins. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jefferson was the ADP number one player cousins was drafted one Oh six on average. This is underdog fantasy end of August ADPs. They were on average stacked 39, almost 40% of the time. So if you lost Cousins in that Jefferson Cousins stack, you were in trouble. And then Jefferson, of course, himself got on the injured reserve. So this stack kind of failed season long. However, Jefferson ends up being the wide receiver four in best ball value rating, and Cousins, the quarterback 10, I think Cousins was propped up because of the passing volume mm-hmm. and his overlap with Jefferson and the emergence we saw with Jordan Addison. And of course, TJ Hawkinson there too, but this stack failed for us because of the injuries. So yeah. how risky now let's look into 2024. How risky now are we looking at this Minnesota Vikings offense and saying, you know, is it clearly going to be cousins back or is there going to be a, another wrinkle? Are the Vikings going to move on? Are they going to try to target? I don't know. There were rumors earlier of Kyler Murray's being a target. Russell yeah. Wilson might be on the market. There are a lot of pathways. They could draft a quarterback. Jason, what is the most likely scenario? Do you think that the Minnesota Vikings could pursue when it comes to uh, supporting a Jefferson, a Hawkinson and um, a Jordan Addison?
1: It's Kirk Cousins. And I do think that the debate makes a lot of sense up until that injury. But I think with it being an Achilles injury, with how much he's meant to the organization and also everything he does within the city. I mean, he's a huge community outreach guy, is a family man. They've you know built their roots firmly in Minneapolis. And so I think with that injury, A, not many teams are going to be able to take a chance on him or, or want to really. Uh, and B, I mean, he's still stuck there. I mean, uh, on Thanksgiving after the injury, literally day after the injury, he was out handing out turkeys around the city. And so I, he's a Minnesota man. I think he's back on the Vikings next year. And I think he could be back on a discount because of that injury. And with no one else taking a chance on him, I, I, I just I, I really can't think of any any other scenario, especially with Dobbs kind of failing, too. Like, it just I, I don't know where they'd go.
0: Yeah, with the Vikings being familiar with his injury, that just makes sense for them to keep him around as a possibility. Um, And they'll monitor that situation, of course, Mm -hmm. as uh, the offseason goes on, because as we've seen, like Aaron Rodgers was able to, you know, make his way almost back to throwing footballs in an NFL game. Like this was within the range of outcomes if the Jets were um, somehow in playoff contention. But unfortunately, we weren't able to see that. Uh, So I agree with you. I think cousins is the best path forward for the Vikings. My other concern is TJ Hawkinson. He tours ACL and MCL and Lord knows what else, Um, you know, this we're also going to monitor when that surgery happens because it probably isn't going to happen immediately. Uh, So we'll see how that can also be affecting the Vikings and their plans. If there's a preferred tight end, that you're taking, not name T.J. Hawkinson from Minnesota. Is it Munt? Is it Josh Oliver? Is there someone else? Or are we just avoiding these Minnesota backup tight ends?
1: I think I would just avoid the backup tight ends. We saw in the week that T.J. Hawkinson went down, both Munt and Oliver were targeted. I believe it was the same the week after as well. Uh, I think I would just stay away. There are very, very few tight ends in the league that are plug and play when the starter goes down it's not like a running back where you can truly handcuff the position uh it's like isaiah likely and that's it i, I think that's it like noah gray he failed us mike Drasicki kind of counts i guess but you're not really talking about elite replacement there anyway like yeah Farrell brown
0: did some things you know
1: right yeah it's like yeah he caught a touchdown pass but It wasn't like, you know, anyway, yeah, I I think that I I would just stay away from the Vikings tight ends and probably just go for an Addison, maybe really late and get KJ Osborne or whatever running back they decide to roll out just to kind of stay within the team. But uh, you're right. Hawkinson's probably going to be a bit too expensive with that risk.
0: All right. We'll switch to the wide receiver quarterback stack that also failed us this year due to injuries. But I think there's more upside in year two, if we're 23 and 3 to 2024, I'm not as worried about this stack. Uh, Chase and Burrow, Chase, remember, was being drafted as the consensus wide receiver, two. Burrow was being drafted mid round four, pick 42 overall. They're being stacked 31% of the time. Chase finishes best ball value rating at wide receiver 20 burrow at quarterback 19. Now that the reality is burrow played with the injuries for the majority of the beginning of the season. And then finally, after what was it five weeks, at least of him dealing with this calf injury uh, was able to hit a few spike weeks, but chase was also dealing with injuries. Um, But I think these are shorter term injuries and we should see them fall back and swing uh, in 2024. Any concerns you have, Jason?
1: No, I I I mean I guess the only concern I maybe have is what happens with T Higgins, but I mean it's Jamar Chase anyway, like no matter what. So uh if anything, it could just get better for these two. So, so I'm I'm with you. All aboard the Bengals.
0: All aboard the Bengals and take any Bengals discounts. I think yes. we'll take that. <laughs> um and yes, we are monitoring the T. Higgins situation. I think that if Higgins leaves, then Chase can get into that wide receiver one overall. Like I think he will compete with CD lamb as the wide receiver one here. Uh, but if T Higgins returns, that's where I think the floor is a little scarier for chase. And even last year, like his best ball value rating was wide receiver five, even with the massive spike weeks that we've seen, the variance is just so much greater for chase when T Higgins is there. But I think T Higgins has played himself back into re-signing. Like his play was not great enough to price himself out of Cincinnati, or at least has given the Bengals a chance to re-sign him, similar to Mike Williams.
1: No, I think I'm with you. There's still uh, tons of potential that he could return to Cincinnati. I think I'm still probably on like 60% chance he's in a new uniform next year. I think that's a reasonable uh, number taken out of thin air. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I'm with you that it's still within the realm of possibility. He hasn't done enough. I think if he ended the season well, like, you know, n- n- excluding week 17, you know, you had the two touchdowns in week 15, you had the 100 yards in week uh, 16, and then nothing in week 17. I feel like if he had finished strong, we might definitely be talking about him leaving Cincinnati, but now we have the quiet end to the season, no playoffs. Uh, it, it's definitely still out there.
0: All right, we will continue on with Tyreek Hill and Tua Tonga Viola as the first round stack partners. Hill was drafted ADP four and a half. So it was pretty much, were you drafting Tyreek Hill? Were you drafting Cooper Cup? But the difference between Hill and Cup, their stack partners, Tua and Stafford, the difference was six and a half rounds. Yeah, Like you could get the cup stafford stack much cheaper and you know we've seen safford the last uh four weeks five weeks of the season he had a streak of top 12 weeks and very solid production not ceiling games for mm-hmm. sure but uh tyreek hill finishes as the wide receiver one in best ball value rating in pretty much every single statistic among wide receivers uh, you know he had a chance to break the 2000 yard receiving barrier this year, unfortunately not going to get there, but Tua, one of the things. So in the pre-show meeting, Jason made a comment to me and I'll I'll pull back the veil. He said, I'm surprised that Tua was quarterback 21 in best ball value rating. And I said, yeah, because Tua didn't um, access the spike weeks that we wanted from these top five weeks. And I have a theory as to why he didn't. Um Actually, I, th- I think there are two reasons. But Jason, why do you think that Tua was not able to access the spike weeks that would have justified his 93rd overall ADP?
1: Uh, maybe, just maybe, because Raheem Mostert was taking so many <laughs> gosh darn touchdowns.
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, just Maybe. Uh- 20 touchdowns, was it, 21 touchdowns, something ridiculous. Uh, but I think that that's a product or related to um, my thoughts on this as well. So one of the reasons the Miami Dolphins leaned so heavily on Mostert and on A-Chan was because Tua was only staying in the pocket. He was not going to take hits. And the fear, one of the fears I had in drafting a lot of Tua this year was, well, not that he would get a concussion because I, concussions will happen sporadically to anybody. But right. the Dolphins were very conscious of that and that the scheme wouldn't allow for plays like that very often, that they would mm-hmm. eliminate or minimize rushes or rush attempts or scrambles or even just goal line you know, Tush pushes, right? We would not see a Tush push from Tua, and so if you have a good run game and you can have just a pocket passer, Tua is only going to access spike weeks when it's both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and that ties in, I think, to my second reason is that Jalen Waddle failed this year, right, due yeah. to injuries and due to low A dots, and uh, you know those are the multiple reasons why. Uh, that you only had Tyreek Hill, who did get Tua access to a couple of these spike weeks, but not what we drafted him at at 93rd overall. So at 41% stacked, that's very expensive failure if you drafted Hill and Tua.
1: No, it is. I mean, I would say I'm sure there are a lot of the Hill-Tua teams that had maybe a CJ Stroud or some other mid-range quarterback that they just kind of threw in there because they could. That might have saved them, but they had to hit there, so it, it it burned. It was strange to watch. I had a weekly winners team that had Tua, and after week one, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I got great value because it was a Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Tua team." Uh, and I, I I think even like Cooper Cup was in there somehow because I drafted like right when he was put on IR, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna win so much money!" <laughs> I didn't win a single week with that squad. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: no. Well, speaking of our friends at Underdog Fantasy. We have a word from our sponsors.
2: It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from pick 'em games, specifically underdog pick 'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at a slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you could 100X your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pick And you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100. Underdog matches that deposit up to a hundred bucks with promo code Underworld. Go start picking.
0: That's right. Go start picking on underdog fantasy or play weekly winners like Jason and crush everyone with your Tyreek Tua stacks on yeah. s- on on some weeks. On some yeah. weeks, um, it's there. Powerful. I'll take an aside. I was telling Jason off air about my pros versus Joe's second place team, which was crushed by injuries like week one, J.K. Dobbins. Boom. Just dust. I had too much J.K. Dobbins in my portfolio and that destroyed it. But there were multiple weeks where Taysom Hill in the FFPC scoring outscored to a tongue of Viola like as a quarterback. Wild stuff. Wild wow. stuff. Anyways, we will continue on with the debate between Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup, right? But it was clear the winner was Tyreek Hill, uh, even with you know the uh, the Cooper Cup, you know injuries and the Stafford outproducing his ADP. Uh, but if we look at, uh, there was actually a couple comments that Harry the Snowman, uh, the Harry Snowman made here. Do you think? Stafford is coming back next year. I think so. I don't think there's going to be any reason for Stafford to not, um, you know, the Rams have done a really good job with him and are going to make a playoff run. So, but cup was drafted ADP 5.1 fifth mid first round. And then Stafford was drafted at 160 overall. So we're talking, what was that round? 14, 15, 15, it was really cheap to stack cup and Stafford 36% of the time. That was the case, but who saw Puka Nakua coming in the way that he did. Right. I mean, I was talking up like Puka Nakua off season. Like, yes, I think he's going to do well, but I did not think that this was in within the range of outcomes for Nakua. We were talking off air. We thought that the Rams offense was going to be really good. We liked Kyron Williams. Um, at least Sean McVay did. And, uh, but I didn't think that this was going to be Puka Nakua show. Um, yeah. How are we going to approach Cooper cup in 2024? Knowing that Nakua not only is a top 10 wide receiver this year, but a top 10 dynasty wide receiver.
1: I guess I'm going to have to see where it shakes out, but I, that's probably a stack that I'm going to be priced out of, to be completely honest with you for whether I want to go with Puka Stafford or cup Stafford, or somehow try to get the the three of them together. I, I think, I think that's going to be one that's going to be a bit too pricey for, for my taste.
0: Like we're taking digs over cup in 2024, right? Ah, uh, yes. That's the line of demarcation.
1: That's it's tough because I do believe the the bills have to add a wide receiver, right? Like they've got to do it <laughs> at some point. They can't keep neglecting the wide receiver two position and rolling out Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir and making Dalton Kincaid run all these snaps out wide. I mean, they've got to get someone. So it depends on who that someone is, but yeah, I mean, as things stand now, I mean, Diggs definitely has a way clearer path to more targets, more production on a, better offense, even if it is kind of close,
0: Ooh, a better offense. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that this is, uh, going to be an interesting one given that Stafford really didn't offer much upside this year. Uh, we mentioned that he was able to get like some top 10 weeks, some top 12 Mm -hmm. weeks, but never, this is almost similar to Tua's reason for not accessing elite ceilings. Stafford just doesn't run. He is a pocket quarterback. He offers no rushing upside. Uh, You're lucky to get a couple yards from him every game. You're probably going to get one rushing touchdown on the season. There's not a lot of upside in the rushing department for Stafford. And so that's going to limit his ceiling and access to the elite weeks, you know, week to week. And we've seen great seasons from Stafford, but he needed like an 8% touchdown rate to get to that level. And we're probably not going to see that again. So I think Stafford is a quarterback that I'm I'm not going to be drafting a lot of this in 2024.
1: Yeah, he would be someone I might draft as my second quarterback if I'm feeling, you know, spicy needing a quarterback right there at that range of the draft, but not definitely not someone I'm going to build my team around.
0: No. No, no, no. The next stack that we'll talk about is what Harry Snowman says, uh I guess it goes without saying Kelsey Mahomes stacked turned to poop and that is the case Travis Kelsey did not finish going into week 18 uh, in, he's not going to play in week 18 yeah. uh, he's finishing as tight end 6 in best ball value rating tight end 6 so not only is he not giving you a positional advantage like he's giving you a negative positional advantage at age 33 almost 34 years old And Mahomes, these guys were stacked together 35% of the times. Mahomes finishes the year at quarterback 15 in best ball value rating. Quarterback 15. And Jason, I mean, I get some things wrong in the offseason. I get some things wrong. But I had Patrick Mahomes outside of my top five of quarterbacks going into uh, the 2023 season, and Billy and I were arguing about this, and I was like, I just like a lot of other quarterbacks better. I just don't see a pathway for Mahomes to like have this explosive season. Yeah. And Billy was like really pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> he was like he was like putting me under the gun. And I'm like, I like Justin Herbert, I like Lamar, I like you know, these Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, I like these other quarterbacks better. Dak Prescott, even and uh and Justin Fields, like at least from the upside perspective, you know, there was a scary floor for Fields, but yeah, it was laughed out of man versus machine.
2: And uh <laughs> yeah, it's okay.
0: Yeah. It's okay. I hold my receipts, Billy Muzio. Uh, but <laughs> uh this stack let us down. And in fact, uh fantasy mojo Darren Armani from FFPC told us that no Kelsey Mahomes stacks made it to the finals this year. Like, how, we're gonna need a massive discount on Kelsey and Mahomes for me to be taking him again. Uh, allow the casuals to take him early, and maybe I can get some discounts. But yeah, that's a that was a massive loss if you decide to go with Kelsey in round one and then Mahomes in round two.
1: Yeah, it'll we'll never see it again. I don't think anyone uh that was alive this year and played fantasy football in 2023 will ever draft a tight end in the first round ever again I I it, it is we we talked ourselves way too much into it we got too excited about what Travis Kelsey gave us value over stream in 2022 uh and we put uh what is it the the horse in front of the the cart in front of the horse uh and it, it was just it was miserable we'll never see it again uh it <laughs> I, it burned a lot of my teams. I It was just, it was a rough one. It was a real rough one. Great call on Mahomes. I was on the other end of the spectrum. I did a tier list, granted a dynasty tier list, but still on the way and take. And I put Mahomes in a tier of his own. I was like, Josh Allen, you know, Jalen Hurt. they're not Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's, it's Mahomes and no one else. And lo and behold, I mean, terrible year. Can't carry the wide receiver core. Somehow looks worse with a healthy high ankle. Than he than he did with the high ankle sprain in the playoffs. Like, I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's a weird year. Weird I don't year. know. Make that make <laughs> sense, right? Man, oh man. So yeah, Kelsey, um, in the in my uh, in my best ball value rating um, for tight ends came in as the tight end six but his variance spike weeks were still there he finishes the tight end two with variance um, you know factored in so he still could access the massive spike weeks but he's still second behind the tight end one I think for both this year and for dynasty I mean we're gonna need to see it from Brock Bauer sorry like I, I give me Sam Laporta I think Laporta is Clearly the tight end one. I know a lot of people love Trey McBride. I think McBride deserves to be near the top. Um, But I think he's a tier or two tiers below Sam Laporta. And with what Laporta was able to do alongside Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Amon Ra still 85% of the time was at least a flex play for you this year. It's not like we saw Amon Ra's production dip. Mm. Sam Laporta still crushed. And Jamison Williams still played this season. Like he was suspended for some games, but Laporta seemed to have his best games when Jamison Williams was out there. Maybe it's a stretch the field scheme sort of thing, but how are you approaching uh, Kelsey and Laporta here in 2024?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be taking Laporta before and I'll pat myself on the back. Laporta was like the one rookie tight end that I was drafting a lot of this year. i like, I think all everything lined up for him when you looked at what the lions were going to be able to do this season. And I, I mean, it worked more than I even expected, uh, but still what a year from him. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, you've got to call him dynasty tight end one. I see Harry Snowman in here, say he's McBride Truther. I'm with him. I think that there's a huge case for Trey McBride to be w- right up there with him, especially if the Cardinals move on from Hollywood and it's literally just Trey McBride in that Cardinals receiving room. Uh, it, it, I mean, it could be special, but Sam Laporta, like you mentioned did all this with Amon-Ra St. Brown who's a true alpha top 5 dynasty wide receiver gaining 30% target share on a week to week basis is he top
0: 3 is he tar- top 3 dynasty cuz uh, cd okay we'll give cd, CD. i'll and, give him four. and Justin Jefferson yeah maybe and, and but but is it Chase or Amon-Ra uh,
1: well you're asking a re- I'm a really big Chase fan I'm like a, I'm like the biggest Chase fan of them all uh, and so it's Jamar case, Justin Jefferson, CD lamb, Amon Ra St. Brown for me.
0: <laughs> I think there's a case for Amon Ra to sneak into three and maybe it's my, I live 25 minutes outside Detroit. So maybe it's the bias that I have, despite being a Packers fan, as you can, as you can see, uh, you know, the, the fact that we get burned by Amon Ra like all the time, but yes, uh, I, I think that it's, a it's very close. I think it's very close Amon Rod deserves to be, again, a first-round wide receiver in 2024. We've hit on some stacks. Um, This was a stack that did not disappoint and, in fact, was on one of the BBM4 winners. I can't remember which one it was, but this team had Diggs and Josh Allen. Diggs was drafted ADP-8. He finishes as the wide receiver-12 in best ball value rating, which is not... a but it didn't implode. It was not an implosion. And Josh Allen finishes as the quarterback one in best ball value rating 23rd overall. You were getting him at the two, three turn. They were stacked only 30% of the time. So it was stacked fewer times than the rest of the first round. And they did not implode and did not suffer the injuries like the others did earlier. So I think that of the first round, uh up until this point, up until this point, uh Diggs and Allen was the best that you could get.
1: Yeah, that was a really good one. And I think it's interesting. I mean, I you could ask any Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, stack owner, and I don't think they would agree that they performed as well as they did. Like I feel like I don't feel like Josh Allen was the quarterback one this year. He was, and it wasn't even that close. But it like it seemed like a down year, and yet week in, week out, he was scoring fantasy points, and so it was a really good year from him. And even with the down weeks from Diggs, still performed well, and apparently won a best ball uh, mania four. So, so yeah, so that's
0: awesome. <laughs> no half step in, Won the regular season with wow. two thousand ninety one points in half point scoring. Drafting Diggs at the one hundred and six. Josh Allen at the two Oh seven.
1: Nice.
0: And then, so a little bit of a reach on Josh Allen, but that's fine to get the right. stack. And then Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, TJ Hawkinson, James cook, Rashad white, Cortland Sutton, AJ Dillon, Raheem Mostert. Yep. Nico Collins, Van Jefferson, yep. Gerald Everett, Brock Purdy, tank Dell, Gus Edwards, Zach Moss, Kyron Williams, like total nuts team. Averaged 149 points and a half PPR throughout the season. Congratulations. No half stepping. Won a half a million dollars playing best ball, $25 cheese of Pete's right. <laughs> Please Lord, let that
1: be me next year. <laughs> uh,
0: but this is part of the strategy is talking about, okay, he, he did reach for digs or uh, right. did reach for Allen. Now that he had digs, So we shouldn't be too afraid of reaching just a little bit, but it's this round of reaching that is an issue. And then also, uh, you know, zero running back once again hit. So there were zero running backs drafted by no half-stepping in the first five rounds. You go wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. And then you hit White, Rashad White, A.J. Dillon, Raheem Mostert in the middle of your draft. That...
1: That range this year was the answer. The James Conner, James Cook, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift all going within a round of each other. And if you got two, three, three of those, I mean, you were golden. Two of those, you were golden. And even really just getting a hero RB with Rashad White in that range paid off dividends because we just talked about Raheem Mostert later, Devon Achan later. So many options at the running back position. Kyron Williams for free, Jerome Ford. I mean, what a year for waiting. (laughs)
0: I mean, the person who won the Best Ball Mania tournament also drafted 0RB and didn't start until round six with Alexander Madison, DeAndre Swift, James Conner, and then hit running back Raheem Mostert later, Chuba Hubbard, Kyron Williams. You know, there were some Mostert and Williams, but there was still some interchanging of who could be the running back. Yeah, so there's a
1: lot of common denominators there, James Conner, Raheem Mostert, Kyron Williams. A lot of teams had those three, uh, and they, I mean, they were just spectacular this year.
0: We'll continue on with the rest of the first round. A.J. Brown, uh, ADP 8.5. He was being drafted right behind Diggs, but those were usually interchanged.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Brown finishes as the wide receiver 11, kind of limps into the end of the season, kind of like Diggs. Brown at wide receiver eleven, so disappoints there. And Hertz finishes as the quarterback too, But they're only stacked twenty six percent of the time. And while we're thinking, oh, that's they're they're not stacked very often. It's because you're drafting Brown at the end of the first round. And then, you know, Hertz was sometimes being drafted at the end of the second, beginning of the third. And so it was hard for you to get yeah. Jalen Hertz because it's Devonta Smith, either in the second or third round, if you took Hertz or Smith, you would interchange those. And that was actually pretty heavily stacked. Um, And so how are we going to handle AJ Brown? Are we believing that he's just had a bad streak or is he going to fall into round two now, Jason?
1: I think he, Hey, thinking about it. So you have, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Christian McCaffrey, Jameer
0: Gibbs now, probably, Brees Hall. Yep, Jameer and Brees are already there. Um, Bijan is probably getting picked, and then we probably have Diggs. Uh, unless Arthur yeah. Smith gets fired, I'm not drafting Bijan Robinson in the first round.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough, but, you know, Within that range. Uh, So I I think he stays there right at the end of the first. There's a lot of AJ Brown fans out there. And so people are going to reach for him. Uh, But it's, I think it's going to be a lot like this year. I think AJ Brown is a dog. He's a really good wide receiver, but he certainly has some floor weeks. And that's just going to happen when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. I mean, the guy can rush for four touchdowns at a game. The guy can decide to lock onto Devontae Smith. It could be a DeAndre Swift game. Dallas Goddard could pop off. I mean, you just can't depend on AJ Brown week in, week out even if he can score you 50 53 weeks in a season, right?
0: <laughs> this is true. And that's why, you know, as much as we like Hertz being the quarterback too. so much more of that fantasy production was due to the ground was due to the rushing and the tush pushes and Swift falling down at the one yard line. <laughs> and yep. so, whereas Josh Allen's much more of that fantasy production was through the air. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're, we're trusting a little bit more of that passing game of seeing that Khalil Shakir can have the big spike weeks. We could see Dalton Kincaid having big spike weeks. We can see Gabe Davis having spike weeks. And so um Jalen hurts. I think is going to settle in once again, in that back end of the second beginning of the third for us. Um, unless the tush push gets uh, gets banned, which I don't know how much traction there's really going to be there, but uh, we will see. We will see, Jason.
1: They should ban the tush push, but not the brotherly shove.
0: Facts. They have to declare. They have to uh, tell the officials before the play. Hey, this is officially a brotherly shove, not a tush push, uh, unless it's Brad Allen's crew. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the last stack that we'll talk about uh, of first round wide receivers and their counterparts is CD lamb who is drafted at the one, two turn along with Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, but we'll focus on Dallas and lamb finishes the wide receiver two in best ball value rating behind Tyreek Hill. That kind of makes sense. But Dak Prescott quarterback four, delightful. Like 37% of the time they were stacked, but I think one of the big, big pieces of this is Dak Prescott was, I think, valued too low this year at 95th overall, 96th overall, like he was getting round eight, end of round eight treatment and didn't deserve that. I think instead he was more of a round six guy, round five guy, given the historical Spike weeks we had seen from Dak Prescott. There was, I know he missed most of uh what was it? 2021. Uh, no, it was 2020 where he had like five games of like 35 fantasy points and like yeah. just exploded and then missed the rest of the season. But we've seen these massive spike weeks from Dak in the past. And so for him to be drafted that late, it was very easy to get the stack. I think this year it's going to be a little more difficult Given that we know that Dak and Lamb are were the quarterback two and four this year, and the value that they offered, and I think that there's not going to be as much fear about Dallas's offense. Uh, there was a little bit of fear with the offensive coordinator moving, right? Kellen Moore moving to the Chargers. There was a narrative there of what's going to happen with McCarthy, but. Yeah, I think this is one of those times where you have to lean into the historical precedents that have been set for both Lamb and Prescott.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean, I felt like Lamb was undervalued even at number 12 and definitely Dak Prescott. I, I want to say Podfather was all over that one. Just mad, really, that Dak Prescott was going so late. A little disrespectful, really. I mean, he's an older quarterback, been in the league for a long time, and basically has always produced. And yet, drafters didn't think he would for whatever reason. And I mean, yeah, QB four in your best ball value rating and wide receiver two. I can't imagine it got much better
0: than that,
1: especially with how CD landed the year. I mean, my God,
0: that oh, had to be. Yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, you know, as part of my off season, I'm going to definitely uh, factor in the possibility of spike weeks in week 17. Uh, I revisited my like tiers of week seventeen games, and it was pretty spot on. I mean, aside from some of the injuries that derailed it, uh, like we know in June and July, like week seventeen games are probably going to be spike weeks. I had in my DK finals a hundred percent exposure to both Lamb and Amon Ross Saint Brown. Like I nice. just double tapped at the corner at the at the turn and. I wanted Detroit, Dallas, and so I had yeah. a lot of Laporta, a lot of Gibbs, and Goff, and Monty, and and, and heck, I even had a Khalif Raymond piece. Like <laughs> you know, sure,
1: yeah, man, and that was a team. You could have had a C.D. Lamb, Amon Ra, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott team, <laughs> and that would have been amazing. <laughs>
0: it would have been absolute fire, uh, and it was. It was. Those those were good teams. And uh, let's see, Harry Snowman. Imagine that Dallas is drafting a wide receiver, possibly. I mean, Gallup does not look like himself. He looks he looks dust, uh, not recovered from the ACL injury a couple years ago that he suffered. And Brandon Cooks has had some spike weeks, but if we get you know back end of the first round wide receiver on Dallas, oh look out, look out, CD Lamb plus one of these wide receiver projected first round wide receivers or even early second like if dallas trades down there might be some depth for dallas to take advantage of that
1: i wish that drafts in the early drafts in particular instead of making us draft like marvin harrison jr malik neighbors or whatever we could just draft whatever wide receiver the cowboys draft in the first round don't even put a name to it yet just give me that player
0: (laughs) dallas rookie wide receiver like yeah that's 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 all i need. (laughs) fair enough. Uh, Anthony jumps in the comments. He said, Kansas city, since he would have been a lot better with burrow. I'm not so sure that would have been the case. Like I put the Kansas city Cincinnati game in that elite tier way back when, but I thought that Kansas city's defense wasn't going to be as good as we saw throughout the season, luxurious need and others like Chris Jones were absolute lockdowns. And Cincinnati did struggle to move the ball. I mean, Joe Mixon getting a lot of receptions on the backfield kind of doesn't count a little bit like that is. That is because they can't get the ball to chase and can't get the ball to Higgins. So I think that. We'll have to look at the possibilities of defenses getting better, too, based on the development of players like the Jerry Sneed or the fact that Chris Jones did re-sign with the Chiefs for one year. So uh, those are things that like we couldn't have necessarily predicted. And I did have them in the elite tier, but if we were building DFS lineups, it was good to actually avoid, you know, the Bengals or avoid a lot of the teams that were facing Kansas city down stretch.
1: No. Yeah. I don't think this was, like it, I I'm, I'm with you here. It, it wouldn't Joe Burrow wouldn't have made it better because the Chiefs sucked this year on like, it's like not even just how good that defense was. I mean, the offense was abysmal. It was just hard to watch. And so they wouldn't have even, it probably would have been a, a blowout really from Cincinnati, just beating on the chiefs really.
0: <laughs> All right, Jason, we're going to shift into uh, talking about a couple team stacks uh, and we're going to focus on teams that we haven't talked about. So we'll take Philly off the list there, but we'll okay. start with Jacksonville. And the big debate this off season was, is it going to be Christian Kirk or is it going to be Calvin Ridley? And uh, Billy very much, you know, argued in favor of Christian Kirk. Theo, I think was also in favor of Christian Kirk. Um, I have been a, a Calvin Ridley stan. Um, so many expected fantasy points this year. Uh, we saw in previous seasons with Matt Ryan, just how dominant Calvin Ridley could be in earning targets. And he was, I don't know, six touchdowns, uh six inches away from six more touchdowns. Like that's what we're looking at for if variance fell the right way for Calvin Ridley this year. Even with that said, Ridley finishes as the wide receiver 29 disappoints in that, in that sense. Uh, because he's being stacked so often, but Christian Kirk finishes as the wide receiver 46 in best ball value rating, just abysmal in terms of earning elite ceiling games. We saw a couple of those games last year from Kirk, but now you add a player like Calvin Ridley who can access elite spike weeks. That's going to be gobbled up. And if Kirk is out, you know, it, Evan Ingram finishes tight end seven. He was a player that I was a little lower on, but with everyone there, Ingram wasn't as much of a fantasy impact. Um, I think the the steam for Ridley and Lawrence are going to cool this off season, but I don't know where Ridley's going to fall. Is he still going to be a back-end wide receiver too for us? Or are we saying that Lawrence just had a bad year. Do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to address the offensive line? Like what is the pathway for success for this stack of Jacksonville Jaguars to rebound in 2024?
1: It's, it's tough. I mean, I think that Evan Ingram is probably locked into his role. I I really like the way he operates. Even if there are no touchdowns, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be decent value. I think he bounces back. Uh, but Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk is going to be just as much of a debate this season. I I mean, I think the answer to me is still going to be Christian Kirk. It was last year for me as well, but in weekly winners, I might go more Calvin Ridley, but I do, I am scared of those four weeks. I think they're way too evident. Uh, And I, I just, I I think that I'd rather bet on a guy who, you know, maybe give me seven points, but will also get me, you know, 17, 22, pretty consistently in Christian Kirk but the answer might just be just get some Trevor Lawrence and maybe Ingram and not even get a wide
0: receiver. Ooh, <laughs> avoid the wide receivers in 2024. You heard it here. Just get <laughs> Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah. Evan Harry, the Harry snowman says Ingram is a buy. I agree with that. Um, Ridley does need to sign. That's true. There are some contractual things that need to occur for Calvin Ridley to be valuable um, We will move down the list just for the sake of time. The chargers, mm. the chargers, Justin Herbert finishes the quarterback aid and best ball value rating, which is fine ish. Like he was being drafted at five or so six. He doesn't disappoint from a weekly scenario. Um, in fact, I, I had a team that I drafted against Billy and uh, Billy Muzio and my friend, Mike Shope. Uh, from the deep end and when we were at the fsga conference and i crushed them you know drafting herbert and uh russell wilson hoping for that week 17 correlation the juicy denver chargers correlation that never happened you know neither wilson nor herbert played in that game so you know fool look at me the fool but the chargers had Allen at wide receiver three Mike Williams in his limited games was wide receiver 14 in best ball value rating. And if Williams is back next year, give me a lot of Mike Williams and Quinton Johnston was stacked the most among those three wide receivers with Herbert at 33%. He finishes as wide receiver 88 in best ball value rating. Absolutely gross. I don't think there's any hope for Quentin Johnston, but I'm in on Mike Williams. How are you approaching the Chargers wide receivers in 2024?
1: I think they do go right back to the well in drafting a wide receiver since Quentin Johnston was such a colossal failure. With that being said, Keenan Allen will be a value yet again. Uh, That guy's not slowing down. I love myself some Keenan Allen, Uh, and he will be a PPR monster. He will be cheap to acquire. I imagine he'll still be fourth, fifth round uh and you'll be able to get him with justin herbert pretty easily and so i think that that's the one i'll be going to and you mentioned mike williams i wouldn't be surprised if he's like a 16th round pick people just hate him coming off an injury and i think that will especially early i think he will be a really good value i think he's gonna fall and fall and fall and the dude just has spike weeks and that's all we're really looking for
0: (laughs) That is what we're looking for. Keenan Allen finishing as the wide receiver three in best ball value rating. It's beautiful. Okay. We'll finish off with Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, Deshaun Watson finishes the wide receiver 18. Unsure about that future. I'm not going to debate the future of uh, Deshaun Watson, but David Njoku finishes as the tight end uh, six in best ball value rating Cooper wide receiver 15. But is there any hope for Elijah Moore? Who finishes as the wide receiver 70 in best ball value rating. No, no, he's done, I, right? He's done. Yeah. yeah.
1: I w- I was in on Elijah Moore after his rookie season, and then I, I haven't been back in on him since. Was not excited for his Browns tenure. I was getting a lot of Donovan Peoples Jones, so it's not like I get victory lap at all. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't think anything's gonna happen. I mean, what is it gonna take? A third team. And then, I mean, it's just then you're talking about rebuilding in a new organization and and someone else coming in that's probably just as equally talented. So yeah, I just don't think there's much of a future for him. He can be a guy in your dynasty leagues that maybe if injuries fall his way, you can flex him if it's really deep or randomly end up getting a start out of him. But in terms of being someone that you actually want on your roster, I think those days are done.
0: Those days are done. Maybe get some Cedric Tillman cheap in your dynasty leagues. Yes. possible pivot yeah okay Baltimore will wind down at Lamar finishes the quarterback three in best ball value rating we see him just absolutely explode with five passing touchdowns week 17 he is the player that we wanted and that's was this was the game that we wanted to target Miami Baltimore and it was the most drafted that I had I know I talked about Dallas Detroit I said that was chalk though and I wanted Baltimore Miami as my number one Uh Zay Flowers finishes as the wide receiver thirty three in best ball value rating which is fine but i think he's going to be overpriced in year number two obj finishes his wide receiver 60 Uh, fine if you want to take a last round stab on obj uh next year in baltimore if he re-signs because it's only a one-year deal but i could see him you know re-signing on a one-year uh re -re re-upping but rashad bateman's dead right wide receiver 121 in best ball value rating. Uh, we wanted this first round pick to hit and uh, maybe he just needs a change in scenery, right? Maybe a trade of Rashad Bateman is what we'll see this off season.
1: I just, I think with players like that, I can't even get excited if he's traded. If I'm going to be honest with you, like, it, I mean, cause the teams that are going to take a chance on him are an offense that probably sucks. Uh, and Then you're talking about Carolina. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. I, Carolina is the team is the, like, that's the wide receiver that they're like, all right, we're going to go get an alpha and his name's Rashad Bateman. <laughs> I don't even know. What do you do? What do you do? I will be, uh, I mean, gosh, Bryce young, I would give away for a penny.
0: <laughs> Yuck. Yikes! <laughs> this is true. Uh, but I think if we're doing any stacks among wide receivers, I mean, uh, Mark Andrews finishes at the tight end four in mm-hmm. best ball value rating. I think that's the stack that you're going to have. But if there's a wide receiver, it's clearly Zay Flowers. But as I said, I think he's going to be overvalued for year number two.
1: I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I I really do. I don't think there's a lot of week-to-week ceiling with Zay Flowers. Sure, he has a good floor, but I don't think we're ever really going to see a 30-point game from him. And that's not that's not a bad thing. Uh, but I think that his value and just overall consensus uh, prices him as a player who can do that. And I just, I don't, I really don't think he can in that offense.
0: All right, we'll wind down with, uh, we'll play a game, Jason. Zay Flowers okay. or Zay Flowers or Jaden Reed?
1: Next season, Zay Flowers. So
0: <laughs> Zay Flowers or Devonta Smith? Devonte Smith. Zay Flowers or christian watson
1: you're asking the wrong guy christian watson
0: <laughs> fair enough i love christian watson uh okay last one zay flowers or christian kirk give me Zay. okay you know as i like to say it's better to say too much than not say what you need to say all right on that note jason it's been an absolute pleasure talking all of these stacks doing a little bit of review looking forward to uh the 2024 season getting these drafts underway. I've been itching to get myself into a 2024 draft just to be an ADP setter, a, 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 and, yeah. and a thought influencer, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm here for that. So uh thank you for indulging me tonight. Um uh, at football Wine on yes. Twitter. Make sure you guys are following Jason. Any other plugs you want to make, obviously, wake and take is your staple show here at player profile. Make sure you guys are checking that out in the mornings. Jason, give us all the drops.
1: Yeah. First off, I just want to real quickly answer Anthony's question. Will there be a wide receiver after QB stack viable in 2024? CJ Stroud, Nico Collins tanked out. That's the answer. Uh, And potentially, depending on how Anthony Richardson shakes out Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman, those are going to be the two. But I think Pittman, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But either way, plugging away can take, as you mentioned, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. on the Player Profiler YouTube. We have Trade Gods returning this offseason as well with Maddie Kiwoom. So make sure you tune into that show for all the trade content you could ever need. And make sure you follow Player Profiler on all the social media platforms you could dream of. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok x twitter whatever you want to call it instagram threads even we have a page so go follow us over there
0: thanks for having me (laughs) absolutely well on behalf of jason i'm bradley and until next time good luck in the best ball streets everybody
2: hey i want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in it's important to me that all of our media be free this is only possible because of you